Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tennesseans Predcast. I am Adam Vingan, Predators reporter for the Tennessean and then USA Today Network Tennessee. And joining me here at the Tennessean office is columnist Joe Rexroad, who can be heard on every podcast that our newspaper produces. You can hear him on the SEC podcast. You can hear him on the Titans podcast. And now you can hear him on the Predators podcast. So, Joe, thank you for joining me for the first time. Well, I don't do country music, so no. to correct you, yeah, I, I, they're, they're trying to keep me off some of them. But, yeah, it's great to be with you, Adam. We usually, you know, last year was mostly a postseason thing. Yeah. But uh, this feels kind of like a postseason kind of week, right? It's a big week. It has been a big week uh, in terms of Predators, of course, making news as they always tend to do. And of course, we're recording this on Thursday. And a few days ago, I'm sure everyone listening obviously is aware that the Predators were part of a three-team transaction, including the Ottawa Senators and Colorado Avalanche, uh, that netted the Predators' Kyle Turris uh, from Ottawa. Technically, he was traded from Ottawa to Colorado and then Colorado to Nashville, but we'll skip the technicalities and signed to a six-year $36 million contract on that same day, which starts next season. He's in the final year of a five-year contract this season. It was a big trade for the pieces that moved. The uh, the Matt Duchesne soap opera finally ended, uh, traded to Ottawa, um, clo- close to home for him. Uh, he's from Halliburton, Ontario, um, going uh, leaving the Predators and going elsewhere. Uh, Samuel Girard, uh, the stud 19-year-old rookie defenseman going to Colorado, and he's actually going to play right away. He, uh, the team's actually how serendipitous that the Senators and Avalanche are playing back-to-back games against each other in Stockholm Friday and Saturday, and Sam Gerrard will be in the lineup for the Avalanche in those games. Uh, So he'll get a uh, regular opportunity now with the Colorado Avalanche, similarly to, I think, what happened with uh, the Seth Jones and Ryan Johansson trade a few years ago, that Seth Jones wasn't going to be a top-pairing defenseman in Nashville. And now, as Predators fans saw on Tuesday, when the Predators played the Blue Jackets in Columbus and won 3-1, that Seth Jones is now a top-pairing 25-minute-a-night defenseman for the Blue Jackets. So I think Sam Gerrard could have a similar impact Maybe not as quick, but he could be a top four guy for the for that team immediately. So a good opportunity for him that may not have presented itself. That's all in the past now. So we need to look ahead. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning. In a couple of hours, the Predators will practice at Ford Ice Center in Antioch. It'll be their first practice with Kyle Turris. So we we could potentially see how he fits into this lineup. We know that the Predators have significant flexibility at the forward position that they didn't have before. Uh, a lot of tough decisions they're going to have to make. And another thing you're going to have to keep in mind is that not only are they going to have to put Kyle Turris into the lineup, they're going to have to be prepared to put Nick Bonino back into the lineup once he's ready and activated off of injured reserve. So 
Joe, I, I know that a lot of uh, hockey fans like to to play with forward line combinations and defensive pairs. There's almost an unquenchable thirst for that information. Uh, so let's kind of go over it. Um, where do you think Kyle Turris fits? I, I think second line center seems to be the obvious role, but I guess the question is, where do you think the pieces fit around him? That's a great question. I was hoping you would tell me, Adam. Well, I will I'm, give I'm you my exci- idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to see this. And it's like you look at this. First of all, there's going to be a couple really good players who now are on the outside looking in. You tweeted this the other day. You know, Freddie Gaudreau is playing well. Kelly Yarncroak is now making big plays, you know, and, and and I mean, I think Colton Sisson's been pretty good all year. So now, is Colton Sisson's your fourth line center? Do you have three legitimate, you know, offensive lines now with this depth? Uh, it's going to be fascinating. Obviously, Peter Laviolette did a lot of tweaking. It's funny, too, because now, like, they're kind of red hot. They get three straight wins, and now you're going to change everything again. Right. <laughs> you know, So there may be an adjustment period, but it's pretty amazing that we're going to have this unveiling uh, with the Penguins in town. Right, it's There's, very appropriate. Yeah, and 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 then is, is Benino, I'm sure Benino would, would like to, you know. He seems close. I mean, he's been skating for the last week. Um, he's still on injured reserve, and they're going to have to make a corresponding move to activate him because they have 24 players on their roster right now, with him included. Would you guess he's playing Saturday? Uh, that's a good question. I guess I'll have to see what the next couple days of practice look like. But I think he's close to a return. So um, I'm not sure if it's going to be Saturday, but I think it's going to be soon. Um, so, so, so I'll give you my guess. That, okay. I, I, I'm just going to guess they go back to their their top line. Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson. Because they can do some different things now with tourists and maybe, you know, a Fiala and Hartnell with him? It could be. I thought maybe they would keep Hartnell and Johansson together because they do have past experience playing. And we'll get to Ryan Johansson in a little bit. Uh, But Hartnell and Johansson have experience playing together here now and as well as in Columbus. And I think they've played well as a line with Victor Arvidsson. Here's where I think they could go for a top six. Uh, Hartnell, Johansson, Arvidsson, Forsberg, Turris, Craig Smith. That's a, those a couple pretty good lines. Craig Smith so, has had a great start to the yeah. season. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, he had a lot of early success on the power play, but uh, off a really nice play from Philip Forsberg in the game against Los Angeles, he had a really great goal, really, you know, expertly placed shot that not very many players can do. And Craig Smith, after having a pretty disastrous season last year, uh, after three previous seasons of 20 goals, I think he's certainly going to hit that mark again. I mean, barring a uh, last season collapse, you know, a collapse uh, statistically that he had last year. So it's like he's shot out of a cannon all the time now. And yeah, like you said, that goal, that was like a little fluttery knuckleball that you could only put in one spot. Mm -hmm. And that was that was special. That that, that would be. So then what's okay? So then if if it's Benino back. Yes. So then we're talking. Well, I think Benino Fiala. Well, you have you'll have uh, you still have Nick Benino and, and David Poyle on Monday floated the idea of him playing top six wing, which I'm not particularly sure how that would work. And, and, and Benino has pl- wing experience. He wasn't a wing in Pittsburgh, but in his previous stops in Anaheim, I think he was a winger. Maybe, I'm not sure about Vancouver. Uh, but um, you have Kevin Fiala you have to put in there, Freddie Goudreau, Colton Sissons, Callie Yarncroke. And the thing is, is that Goudreau, Sissons, and Yarncroke can all play wing as well as center. So perhaps you have a line of Fiala, Benino, and... Um, Yarncroke? Yarncroke. 
as a as a third line, and then a fourth line of maybe Goudreau, Sissons, and Watson. But then you also have to wonder where does Mika Salamaki fit into this? And I continue to like him. He's had a good he had a good uh, last two games of that road trip, a really good goal in in Los Angeles off a great lob fluttering. Hail Mary type pass from Yannick Weber and then uh, had the uh, shot that led to the rebound that led to the game winning goal in Columbus. So yeah, they're going to be tough decisions and the Predators now have the flexibility to, to adjust their lineup based on matchup. You know, if they're playing a speed team like Chicago, they can put a fast lineup in there. If they're playing the quote unquote heavier team like Anaheim, they can put more muscle in there. Um, but I think you've got a lot of really good options. And Peter Laviolette likes having two center-like players on each line if he can. So if you have Benino and Yarncroke or Goudreau and Sissons, you, you know, with the new face-off rules, the referees are very particular about the setup for face-offs. If a guy gets kicked out of the circle, you have another guy who can easily take face-offs and have success doing so. We haven't mentioned Pontus Aberg, who has no. been off to a disappointing start, but a, a guy I still think has a ton of potential. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and he's been in and out of the lineup. So um, you have to wonder what it can mean for him. Um, we, As I mentioned, when Benino is going to be activated from injured reserve, they have to get rid of somebody because they don't have enough room. Because, you know, for those listening who are unsure of the rules, you can only have 23 active players on your roster at a time. And with Benino and injured reserve, they're carrying 24 players on their roster right now. So they're going to have to get rid of someone. And, and Goudreau and Fiala are both waiver exempt, which makes it easy to send them down. Pontus Aberg, I believe, is not waiver exempt. So that makes uh, it easier for them to shift Goudreau or Fiala to Milwaukee, but those two have been playing well. You know, do you take a chance by waving Pontus Aberg? Uh, that's oh. the question that you're going to have to think about wow. potentially. That's 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 a toughie. Yeah, that's really a toughie because yeah, you know, Goudreau is probably I, I, that would just be my guess. That would, he would be sent to Milwaukee. I don't think he'd do that to Fiala anymore, right? I, I think no, not at this point. But but uh, Goudreau just has that that knack. He just he just has a feel for the game. You know, he's around the puck. He makes good plays. He's not going to blow anyone away with his physical abilities. But he's he's a good player. That is, I mean, it's a great problem to have. Like the depth on this team when they're when it's completely healthy is. I mean, how, how many teams have depth that can compare to what this team has right you now? You have to look at the rest of the Western Conference, and there aren't very many teams. Um, you know, the one team that stuck out to me at the beginning of the season as a team that could really make some waves um, was the Anaheim Ducks, and they've been absolutely decimated yeah. by injuries. No Ryan Kessler, no Cam Fowler. Uh, they just found out the other day that Ryan Getzloff could be out for up to two months after having surgery to repair a fractured cheekbone. Um, they stopped, they started the season without Hampus Lindholm or Sammy Vatanen. I believe they're both back at this point. Hampus Lindholm played the other night in Anaheim. Um, so, you know, Kevin Bieksa missed some time. John Gibson left the game the other day. Cam uh, Fowler, did you mention him? Cam Fowler, yeah, there I did. So it's, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you look around the league, and, and the Predators got a good taste on, on this road trip of those California teams. Uh, San Jose is always a, a good team. Los Angeles looks like a, so much they look so much better this season. They're just looser, and they're playing with speed and more skill. Um, I think those players were feeling a little bit constrained by Daryl Sutter before his firing and the, uh, the promotion of John Stevens as the coach. Um, that's a team that's certainly dangerous. But off the top of my head, I can't really think of any team... Uh, 
you know, the St. Louis Blues, maybe. They're leading the Central Division, and they're playing very well. They're the best team in the league. And they've been hurt. I mean, it's, how surprised yeah, are that's you the by other them? Thing. Yeah, they, I wasn't expecting them to get off to the start that they did. Um, with no Jay Boomeister to start the season, Zach Sanford out indefinitely, Alexander Steen didn't start the season. Um, I'm missing a couple of guys. Uh, um, Fabry out for the year with uh, after re-injuring his knee. Um, but Jaden Schwartz has had a fantastic start to the season. Braden Shen was a great uh, draft day trade pickup from the Philadelphia Flyers. They're, and Jake Allen is playing well, as he is wont to do. So that's a good team. The rest of the Central Division is pretty, you know, is pretty uh, condensed. I think there's only maybe one point that separates second place from sixth place at this point. Um, but off the top of my head, it's hard to think of teams in the West that have that forward depth that Nashville has now. So it's a good problem to have. You know, one player who's not in danger of losing a spot uh, is Ryan Johansson. Um, but we're 15, 16 games into the season, and he has yet to score. Uh, and that is, uh, that's a problem. And I spoke to Ryan on Saturday in Los Angeles about this and uh i mean to have i've been meaning to have a story about it on tennessean.com the uh, trade delayed it i think it'll be up on monday online at at this rate Uh, but i asked him about um it actually started by i was having a conversation with him because his brother lucas who's a defenseman in the capital system scored a really nice goal for their ahl team the other day so i asked him if he had seen it he had his he told me that his dad texted him and said it was the the nicest goal that Lucas had ever scored, but he hadn't seen it yet. And I had just been watching a video of it. So I showed it to him and that led into a natural segue. Speaking of scoring goals, Ryan, <laughs> um, well played. Yes. So, uh, you know, I have the quote in front of me, um, quote, sometimes shooting the puck creates more opportunities for the guys on my wing and creating more opportunities to score goals. I think sometimes, especially at the start of this year, I've been a little too passive. I need to find ways to bring pucks to the net more often, which will lead to more opportunities for my wingers and more rebounds and chances and things like that. I've been looking at a bunch of video here lately and feel like I've got a pretty good idea of what I need to be doing more of, end quote. And the obvious answer is shooting more. He has 19 shots in 15 games. Um, And when you look at total attempts, I think it's in like the mid 20s, like 23, 24. So he's not putting the puck towards the net at all. Um, And I remember talking to him last year for a story and him saying that even as a young hockey player, uh, you know, playing peewee and growing up, that he always enjoyed helping other players score and celebrating their goals. But I brought it up to him. You're coming down the wing or you're coming down the center of the ice, it's just you and the goalie. You see Philip Forsberg on your left. You've got a great shot. I mean, you're a playmaker. Your urge is to bake the pass and set up Philip or whoever's on your wing. But how do you fight that urge to take, you know, to not make that pass and take that shot if you have a higher quality scoring chance in front of you? And that was the answer that I just uh, read to you. Um, So when you look at Ryan Johansson, I think he's had a good season in terms of facilitating. If you look at the scoring chances that he's helped create as a whole on the ice, I think they're pretty high. But when you look at the individual scoring chances that he himself has had, they're low. Um, Joe, and from watching the team uh, so far this season, I mean, do you see anything from Ryan Johansson that would suggest that he's getting close to breaking the schneid? Well, first of all, this guarantees he's going to have a hat trick Saturday and blow up your whole story for Monday. We know I, we know this. Oh, man. At least I got the quote out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, one. I mean, the thing that surprises me most is 
that he had a 33-goal season in Columbus because that's just not how he plays from what I've seen of him. I'd like to like see what he what, what happened that year. Well, it's know? funny that you mentioned that because I spoke to um, both Sky Hartnell, who was a winger with Ryan Johansson during those seasons in Columbus, and Nick Foligno, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who played on the other side of Ryan Johansson. The Hardinal johansson felino combination in Columbus was very successful. Uh, Scott, you know, mentioned that pass-first mentality that Ryan Johansson had. Uh, I, and I asked Nick Felino on when on Tuesday evening before the game what he remembers from that those two seasons because he had 26 goals, I think, the season after he had 33. Uh, and I asked Nick what he remembers Ryan doing so well. He goes, "Well, he was playing with me, so that's why he was obviously <laughs> so successful." Before going into a, 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 a very good answer about how he isn't you know comfortable speculating on his season now because he hasn't really been paying much attention attention um but remembers that he was you know just aggressive and that you know there were times even then that when he would get a good opportunity he would be a little too passive which was the word that ryan used to describe himself so i think that's what it is it's that shot first mentality sometimes you have to be selfish i know especially in hockey you don't want to be selfish or perceived as selfish but sometimes if you got you know a grade a chance and passing it's going to give you a a minus chance you've got to take the a chance um even if you have someone like philip forsberg you're passing to who scores with regularity you've got to be able to you know look out for number one sometimes. Yeah, I mean, in his defense, first of all, and I know he hasn't been with Arvidsson and Forsberg all year, but, you know, when those are the two guys next to you, I, I'm sure it's hard to resist the urge to get them the puck because they're both so talented, And he mentioned right? that. He did mention that when you have wingers like those two, you want to be able to feed them the puck. And I love watching Johansson play. I think he's a, just a tremendous – his feel and his creativity in getting them the puck and in making plays for others is fantastic. But, yeah, he's so big and physical, and I feel like the exact balance – was found in the playoffs last year Mm -hmm. because there were times when he was just bowling his way to the net too and then he would still be the facilitator the playmaker but he at times just used his big body to just get there and i think think that's what's missing i think the play yeah you're exactly right i think what we saw from him in the playoffs before he got injured was exactly what he should be all the time because he had 13 points in 14 games but it wasn't like one goal and 13 assists it was you know i think it was five and eight or six and yeah or six and he was doing yeah. it all he was doing it all he was scoring and passing and that's what you need from him um so that's something to watch and i wonder if the acquisition of terrorists puts a little back pressure on him uh, not to um obviously like i said he's not going to lose his spot in the on the in the everyday lineup but you know does kyle turris who has first line experience in ottawa if ryan johansson isn't putting the puck in the net does peter laviolette make kyle turris your 1a center as a way to motivate ryan i mean now he has that option before you didn't really have it because you weren't going to threaten him with colton scissors or Callie Yarncroke or Nick Bonino. But now you have Kyle Turris, who can hold that spot down. I'm wondering if Pierre Laviolette would use that as a motivational tactic for Ryan. Look, I've got a player now who can play your spot. So if you're not gonna if you're not gonna put up the numbers that we need you to, we got a guy who can. 
you know, wonder if that is something that Pierre Laviolette now has in his back pocket. Is that a is that something you you would think Laviolette would do? Probably not. Yeah, um, I wouldn't either. It just doesn't. You know. But you but you also but players are players are prideful. I mean, Ryan knows that you know Kyle Turris is here to help, but also knows that Kyle Turris is a 27 goal scorer in the NHL, a 60 point scorer in the NHL, and that he can now has someone on the roster who can push him for even strength playing time. So maybe that is enough for Ryan to kick his own butt uh, and uh, get him where he needs to go. So I like that. Kick your own butt, kick Ryan. Kick your own butt, Ryan. Um, so as we finish up here, we'll just look at what's upcoming for the Predators. As we said, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, how appropriate that Kyle Turris' debut will be against the Pittsburgh Penguins, 7 o'clock on Saturday at Bridgestone Arena, the Predators' first home game in two weeks. I looked at it yesterday. They're actually tied with the Detroit Red Wings, I believe, for the fewest home games played in the NHL this season. Five uh, out of 15 games have been at home. Uh, so now they get a couple games here at home. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Crosby and Malkin versus Johansson and Turris. I mean, think about how different that is from the Stanley yes, Cup Yes, exactly. So different. So different. It was Crosby and Malkin versus Sissons and Fisher, I think. I guess yeah. that would have been the yeah. top six yeah. center matchup in the Stanley Cup final. Much, much different. Uh, I think that would be a good test uh, for them to see how... You know, the center depth, I think, is what ultimately... Uh, decided the Stanley Cup final in Pittsburgh's favor by the end of the series. So it'll be good to see how the Predators' new-look top six centers look against the obviously uh, talented and vaunted and decorated duo of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So I think that's good. I think that'll be a good test. Um, then they have Sunday and Monday off from games before an interesting matchup that I, of course, knowing my prior employment history, am looking forward to, the uh, Nashville Predators versus the Washington Capitals. Uh, the Capitals are not having a great season, uh, which was to be expected because they had to make a lot of off-season changes. They experienced sort of the salary cap crunch that teams like the Penguins and the Blackhawks experienced, except for the fact that those two teams won the Stanley Cup and the Capitals didn't. They had their window. Uh, Brian McClellan, their general manager a couple of years ago, called that shot. He said, we've got two years with this group, and they didn't win, both times losing to the Penguins in the second round. So Poor Washington sports. Poor fans. Washington sports. Um, you know, out went Kirk the, Cousins is good, though. Kirk, yeah, well, yeah. He had, a, he had a decent game against the Seahawks the other day, I guess. Um, but, you know, no Carl Alsner, no Kevin Shattenkirk, no Justin Williams, no Marcus Johansson. Um, I know I'm missing others in there, too. Um, but still a very good team. Of course, Barry Trotz, always a pleasure to have him back in Nashville, even for a couple nights. Uh, you know, it will be another good test for the center depth. Again, not... Crosby Malkin level, but to have, you know, Nicholas Backstrom, you know, having covered him for, for several years and, and still watching him, I think one of the more underappreciated players in the NHL, just so good all of the time and doesn't get the accolades and doesn't really want to get the accolades, likes to go about his business quietly, but one of the better centers in the NHL. So uh, to see Ryan Johansson and Kyle Terrascope against Nick Backstrom, I think will be a, a good test. And then uh, they end the week um, with a game on Thursday on the road against the Minnesota Wild, who lost last night. First uh, meeting with them. First meeting with the Wild. They lost last night uh, in Toronto. Um yeah, they're they're a team that's been banged up too and not really playing up to their potential. Um, but the central division is very tight, so um, 
it's a very important game. So, Joe, before we wrap it up, any last thoughts, anything from watching the Predators during the road trip, any of the uh, anything from hockey in general that stuck out to you this week? You know, I think there are a lot of things that were encouraging about this road trip. I mean, it's a great road trip. You get six out of eight points. You know, Yarn Croak and Smith, we talked about them. Some of those guys are starting to come on now. That's I know that's something you've been t- writing about and talking about a lot, the, the need for that, you know, offensive depth to come to life. And it, we haven't mentioned one time yet pecorine is just oh, playing so yeah, great we haven't, we haven't mentioned that at all he was fantastic against columbus he made some great saves there was, huge especially at the end of the second period after matt Irwin gave them the lead uh he had some big saves on the four on two rush and i asked him after that game because remember he, there was like a four on two rush a couple of minutes later i think it was zach Wierenski had the shot and pecca just smoothly just flipped the glove up and uh and just snared it it was a good chance by columbus and i asked him when you're playing as well as you are and you're in that groove do the saves that look hard to us seem easy to you and as, as pekka typically does sort of you know laughed it off and smiled with a gave a little bashful smile and said i'm feeling <laughs> i'm feeling really good right now and i'm playing well and, and he knows it but yeah those saves i think that look like they're incredibly difficult to us when a goalie's done his game they look really easy and i think one of the biggest wins of the year so far you know winning three-on-three at L.A. after you blow that lead and getting a win for Soros. And and Soros coming up with some big saves when it looked like, you know, the Kings were just going to take that game over. That's a big win. Yeah, especially because before that game, the the L.A. Kings had the most wins in in, three-on-three since the advent of three-on-three. The total mismatch of three-on-three. It was the best team team on three-on-three versus the worst team in three-on-three. And the Predators were able to win that game. And, you know, the play of that game obviously was the uh, fake dunk in attempt from center ice that Saros fell for and uh, you know the Kings said after after the game that they had had noticed in watching video that UC Saros was aggressive and, and stepping out of, of the net to, he learned from Pekka he learned from Pekka a little yeah. too aggressive that time yeah he said after the game that night that he he seen it happen before but he never thought it would happen to him uh, and it was a lesson learned um, not to get too ahead of yourself but I agree it was good for him to get a win he was really good in that game I know that it was a 3 nothing lead at the start of the third period that ended up going to overtime, but I wouldn't put it on him. Uh, I think the Kings just turned it to another gear, and they're one of those teams where that when they are when they put their the pedal to the floor, they're one of the wor- hardest teams in the league to stop. So, Well, Joe, I know that you have other podcast-related obligations to make, so thank you for joining me here. Thanks for the, having me, buddy. Absolutely. On the Tennessee N uh, Predcast, and uh, we'll be off to practice here shortly to, uh, to watch the uh, Kyle Turris uh, addition uh, to the forward lines and see what comes out of that. But you know, please continue to, to look for these podcasts. Uh, I'm hoping to do them more regularly. Of course, the Predator schedule makes that difficult sometimes, but I will keep you posted on uh, all of the, uh, the dates of these podcasts whenever they're upcoming. Uh, continue to read Joe's columns at Joe Rex Road on Twitter. Uh, myself at Adam Vingan on Twitter and for all Predators news, sports news and all Middle Tennessee news that you could possibly need follow at Tennessean and read Tennessean.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>